With great mojo comes great responsibility. Mojo 5 Mojo 5 We will make America great Sam Sorbo. change my lead in music because I don't want to make myself a target. Oh, well, too late. We're going to talk today about the Jonestowning of America. Also, renewal in America. I'm excited. Uh, we're going to have some upbeat, upbeat conversation. And, um, and if we get to it, whether college kids can tell the difference between men and women because... <laughs> Oh my gosh, you won't believe this audio that I found. But before we get to all of that, my first guest today is Mason Weaver. He is the author of The Democrat Party Hates America. And uh, we're just going to dive in with Mason because he's one of the most brilliant people I know. So welcome to the program. I appreciate that. Spoken as if you actually love me. I do. Wow. And you know, it's, it's been a while, Mason, but uh, we are so happy to have you back on the show today to share some of your r- unconventional wisdom. Can we, can we say that? <laughs> unconventional wisdom. Uh, it seems like the world is really just sort of spinning out of control. Uh, and I think there's, I think there's, uh, a lot to be said about that. Uh, Tucker Carlson just went off on a huge thing, mainly against the Democrats and saying that if this were happening under Obama, there would be full on crackdowns like, like National Guard, like, uh, you know, just deployed forces in Seattle, just taking them out. Yeah. What do you say but about that? They want chaos, folks. They want fear. They want anxiety. They want you to be worried. My 17-year-old granddaughter was literally cursed out by a female, an adult female, because she had the nerves to not wear a mask in the post office. She oh, got literally yeah. cursed out. Yeah. And uh, because she's Mason trained, she's able to handle that pretty well. But the fact that she had to go Mason through that trained. Nonsense, Mason trained. Oh, well, no problem there. She so, got a problem real easily. So uh, there's a random lady at a local store here who just said to me, you're supposed to be wearing a mask. So I said, well, I'm supposed to be wearing underwear, too. And yet here we are. (laughs) 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 I'm kidding. I got I got that off of Twitter. I just took that right off of Twitter. (laughs) I want your audience to think about something for a minute. I've been seeing this on every radio program I can get on. As you go about your day-to-day, as you go to lunch and go to work and you go to the store, you see black people and white people going about their business. When you go to Walmart, when you go to the soccer game, when you do everything you do, you see America getting along. But when you go home and turn on that little black box on the wall, it tells you that we hate each other. That's why they call their product programming. The next program will be, the next program at five, they are programming us. There is no racial tension in America. There is no racial crisis in America. Black folks and white folks get along pretty good. And most black people, like most white people, live in middle class. It's just their image. Let's stop it. Let's laugh at them. And let's get along together and love ourselves back to normalcy. Well, they're fomenting. You know, they're programming. They're fomenting. Um, I saw a video... Did I see the video? I saw the report. Um, a Macy's employee 
was accused of calling a, a black teenager, well, teenager, 20-something-year-old, 20, 20 the N-word, and the guy hauled off and, and beat him to a pulp. Well, that's and so, kinda... and so now it, it, you can simply claim, well, his words hurt me, and so therefore I debilitated him. <laughs> I had a gentleman at, in Raleigh, I was in Raleigh a few weeks ago, at a delicatessen trying to buy me a sandwich because the hotels have no food, folks. So I'm out there standing in line. Because <laughs> of COVID, right? And yes, they have, I have to go. I, I paid full price for the hotel, though. But I have to go out every right. day for breakfast, right. lunch, and dinner. So I'm talking to this guy, and I'm not talking to the guy. He turns around and sees me, and he says, he points. And he didn't point, put his palm back at me. You don't have a mask on. Get a mask on. And I just stared at him, and he said, I didn't answer him. So he said, you're endangering me. Put a mask on. I'll back away. You're endangering me. And I said, no, sir. Actually, I'm, me standing here is not endangering you. What's endangering you is that you are confronting a fully grown man and demanding I make you comfortable where you are, that I do something. That's endangering you. And he doesn't understand. I control every square foot of ground I stand on. If you're scared, go home. But I'm not going to debate with you if I put a mask on. The idea that they think they're supposed to correct us, they're supposed to direct us, they're supposed to intimidate us. They, they, they think that they're going to run us out of restaurants because they have a mega hat on. Uh, but honestly, if someone calls me anywhere, I may hit him too. Just because, you know, I'm that kind of guy. But it's just the idea that society is now regulating ourselves to liberalism. The biggest threat I see this whole thing to shut down, to social distancing, what I'm seeing now is companies. I'm getting companies now writing me letters saying they're going to they're going to give some of their profits to fight social justice. Right. You got that's that bothers me because now this, this puts the Rainbow out. Coalition to shame. Yes, but they're going to fund these groups millions of dollars to fund these socialist liberal groups to spend years now aggravating us and forming in us and electing our officials. This is going to give them superpower over us for years while our companies fund them with our, with our money. Right. Right. And it's so hard because I think every website, almost every website I go on, because because I'm not going out to stores right now. I mean, I am. I'm just not. Like, it's so much easier to order stuff online. And every one of them has a banner at the top. We are donating to Black Lives, mainly Black Lives Matter. But And you just go, but but that's just being funneled to the Democrat Party. Why would I give you my money? And yet I need the things that I need. That, that's showing you how far we've gone by allowing them to train our kids and produce our movies. It used to be the head of Hollywood. We have left them go for, for decades now controlling the social agenda. And now our kids, our grandkids have grown up believing this is right. If you don't do it, you're wrong. Right. We're, we're losing it. Right. So I got an email from somebody saying um, on June 4th, over 1,000 healthcare officials signed a letter saying, you don't need to shut down the protests and rioting because of COVID-19. And this was after 11 weeks of telling us, hey, don't leave your homes, don't open your businesses, going to work is dangerous, but it's okay to riot. Yeah. This is a problem. Well, if you just pay attention, you will see clearly what they're doing. You'll see clearly what they are after. They want to destroy the economy they want to end all social uh, uh, dissonance, so you can't disagree with them. They want control. De- Democrats have always wanted control. This is the party of the slave masters. But why? But the Republicans are complicit in some of this. Most of it. 
So most of and most of the Republicans. Yes. So the Republican Party is, is the part. It's, it's the Harlem. It's, they're the Washington Generals to the Harlem Globetrotters. They think their job is supposed to lose. They the, the, the hardcore <laughs> establishment. They think they're supposed to play a good game. But we elect right. Up. But we elect. So yeah. it's a rigged. So it's a rigged game. We elect them. We draft them to fight yep. for us. Um, to you know, to go out on the on the field and kick the ball and whatever, and yep. and yet they they purposely seem to be losing. They seem to purposely be losing. I suppose I should yep. say. That's and in fact, Tucker Carlson seems to agree with that. Yes, that's what the Washington General is supposed to do, and we elect them because we don't elect based on our principles. We elect based on you know when you get down to the primaries. By the time the primaries are over, we have no choice. Right. We have no choice. We we don't fight in the primaries. They cut down our good candidates by not funding them, right. by not supporting them, and so the only ones that will win are their select candidates, and now we have a choice. We have a choice. We have um, you know, Mitt Romney or some knucklehead out there in the woods. We have a choice. We have, we have Flake in Arizona or some knucklehead. Those are the choices that the party gives us because we, we should all join the local central committee. We should join the Republican Party central committee, become voting members, and stop this mess because they, they did it to me. I ran for state senate, I mean, state rep, and U.S. Congress. They refused, even when, when I was out there leading the pack, they refused to give me any support. I was elected second vice chair of the party in San Diego. You would think it'd be news, the first black person lead the Republican Party. They never even called me for a meeting, they ignored me completely. That because, 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 because. I was conservative. I was a strong conservative. Because you're a conservative, but also a social conservative. Social conservative. Yeah, you I'm can a, be a fiscal conservative, but if you're yes. a social conservative, that's yes. not a Republican. This is this is my main sort of issue with the Republican Party. And in fact, my pastor ran uh, for for office in California, and the Republican Party put up first. First, they befriended him, and then to find out sort of where his weaknesses were. How can I pray for you, brother? Right, that kind of thing. And then they used his weaknesses oh, against him, and oh, then they man. put up a million dollars on another candidate to beat yep. him, and they failed. That's how but strong they he was. Won. They won. No, on their agenda. No, but no, they right, but but they failed in beating him. No, actually, they failed in beating him, and then he lost in the general because it was it was L.A. You know, it was but California. After the race, after the race, they remain in the positions in the party. They still handled the party's money. They still raised the party. They still got richer and right. more influential. That's all they care about. They don't mind. They don't care about losing and winning the races. They care about keeping their position in the party with the money, with the backers. Most and, people and don't know how do. to get involved in politics. How do you get involved? Well, they, they, people don't know because people think the politics is nasty. And the reason politics is nasty is because good people don't get involved with it. Join the Central Committee. Go in there with an independent mind. Stick, stick around long enough to see what groups support you. And I don't care if they're weak. I don't care if they told you how mean they are. I don't care what they tell you. If they support your beliefs, join them and get involved with them. And start getting our candidates on the Central Committee head. You want them on the board. You want them in the decision room, in the back doors. You want them in the back rooms making decisions on funding and support. You can't just be a member because you're going to be dictated to. You have to bring power to you. And the second thing they have to do, they have to raise money. You got to raise money for your candidates. You cannot let the party raise money for your candidates. They will lose the race, folks, on purpose 
to stay where they are. Don't forget, now, they've got the power they have with a weak Republican Party. They're used to being a second-class party. Yeah, they not just used to it. They embrace being the second-class party. They expect to be. Right? Yeah. They, they got their power by serving the master Democrats. They're afraid of being called names. They're afraid of the press getting to say something bad about them. Okay. Uh, they're afraid of it. So my guest is Mason Weaver. Uh, I want to I point this out because he's the author of The Democrat Party Hates America. And um, we're talking about how you need to be involved in your local politics because po- all politics is local, right? Yes, ma'am. So you join the Central Committee, but you also go about and fundraise for the candidates that you, that you identify, that you recognize. So you don't yeah. have to run. You just have to nope. know the people who are running. You know, raising funds for the candidate is the most important thing you do uh, in the party. It is the most important thing you do. Bring a candidate to your home. I invited 23 of my neighbors here from the guy that running for the county, the head of the county here where I'm living. And I brought 23 of my neighbors together for a coffee. All we served was coffee and, and cookies. And had him sit and tell us what he wanted to do. And then we told him what we wanted from him. And we expected to see these things done. This guy won the election. Uh, one of the things he wanted was a freeway, a better, off the freeway, a better turn. He spent three million bucks. He spent three million bucks correcting that freeway out there. He promised to do it. Now, had we not approached him, he wouldn't even know it's a problem. You have to understand your leaders really, really, really want to consider your thoughts. We don't tell them. We might let us to the editors instead. That, that guy came by bulldozers and tractors and blocked the freeway up and made that thing change because the neighborhood over here are going to follow up with him. Your politicians got to know you're going to follow up because they respect. Politicians respect what you inspect. Politicians respect what you inspect. Yes, ma'am. It's not enough to sort of get them elected and then pat them on the butt. Nope. Nope. They have, they have to know... No matter how much money they take, no matter how much pack money they have, no matter how much influence or how many good press they have, they know eventually one night in November, you are going to go to the polls. And that's more powerful than all the ads they can run and tell you all this. They know that if you're paying attention, your behind will be in the polls one day with all your neighbors. Mm. And that's, that's power enough that we do not use. We don't use that power. We don't use that power. Well, well, and right now, let's face it, Mason, we've we've ceded a great deal of territory recently. So I'm going to go back to this email that I that I just got this morning, uh, talking about this letter that these thousand healthcare officials who who apparently supposedly have our best interests at heart, but they did a complete about face regarding going outside your homes. When, when faced with the prospect of people rioting and protesting, rioting and looting, okay? And the letter said, as public health advocates, we do not condemn these gatherings as risky. We support them as vital to the national public health. So now we need to redefine the way we term health because they certainly weren't healthy for some people, right? They might have been healthy to, to, for other people to vent their anger, but certainly for some people who were the recipients of that anger, No, it stated, we believe the way forward is not to suppress protests in the name of public health, but to respond to protesters demands in the name of public health, thereby addressing multiple public health crises. These people are absolutely bat guano crazy. 
And then the email continues, I believe the way forward is to suppress the government and public health officials who want to be our overlords and simply say, never again. Now, this person never bought into this in the first place. Uh, She says, I feel we have constitutional rights. They trump any of these orders. And that's why I'm I'm really struggling, Mason, with the mask thing. In fact, you came and spoke here uh, nearby and um, they asked everybody to wear a mask. Now, now at the place that you spoke, what was the what was the average age? Oh, I don't know, probably forty. Well, and but, by the way, very few wore masks. Oh, oh, was <laughs> it just reco- was it just a recommendation? I thought it was a, a I, I, mandate. I don't know. I do not know. But those folks did not wear a mask. Oh, well, I that's, did not wear a mask. Well, dang My it! Then I would have gone. I just I didn't want to be I didn't want to be the party pooper, you know. Um, and I didn't want to be told to wear a mask, frankly. Well, well, that, I'm then I'm then no, I'm I, upset because they they snookered me basically because uh, I would have they loved just, to if you're repeated what the what the county required them to say to you, but nobody there cared you wear a mask. Okay, so that's great news. So we're seeing uh, pockets of civil disobedience. I I figured that they had put that in not just for the county but also for the older crowd because I know that there are very fearful seniors and the problem is you you can't combat the fear it's very difficult to p- combat the fear they know so much that isn't so right yep. we're we're they saying i'm so i'm hearing doctors say we're going to see a, a a big uptick in um tuberculosis as oh, a result of know, the masks if, sorry go if ahead you, if you make people stay at home you're weakening their immune system because you, your immune system is based on you bumping into people that are sick and curing yourself. So if you're, you're making a whole population stay at home. As soon as you let them out, there will be an uptick because they have lower immune system. Hey, we did, need to go ahead. Go ahead. Well, did, we need to we need to to uh, quarantine the sick, yeah. not the well. Yeah. And we need to quarantine the government. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Take two weeks yeah, off, guys. Because they're not essential <laughs> workers anyway. We all know that, right? Exactly. Um, so the Trump rally yesterday, for some reason, I, I, I had in my head it was in Tucson. It was in Tulsa, right? It was in Tulsa. Yeah. And, and for some reason, I, I was thinking Tucson. Um, but the Trump rally, uh, they're already reporting that there's an uptick in cases. And it's well, like, yeah. guys, no, it's a two to 14 day uh, yeah. uh, uh, incubation period before but, but it presents. You know, don't you know, have not heard that Trump supporters accelerate the incubation period because we're so evil? Well, the, and the great news is that protesters can't get COVID <laughs> because we all speak, yeah. it is a very yeah. discerning virus. Yes. I mean, the problem is, I mean, it's laughable on its face, and yet yep. we're so far down the path, Mason, that um, fully half the country, if not more, cannot see that. I mean, I know reasonable thinking people who can't see. I don't know. I don't know if that I, – I don't, I don't see it. When I go out – there are some instances like my granddaughter. That happens once in a thousand years. But most of the people, man, man, when I go out in the streets, I don't, do not wear a mask anywhere. I don't know where. I went to the VA hospital. I'm seeing people biking and jogging with flipping yes. masks on. Yes. They, those people, and we should laugh at them. I do. But that's not the majority of people. But my heart breaks. I think most of us get it. And most of us get it, though. These are scared liberals and even conservatives. They, they're scared. And the fear doesn't come from God. I, I don't believe that the flu is going to kill me. And you mentioned seniors. I'm 70 years old. 
I'm you are not. Third. You're 70? I'm, oh. I'm 70 years old. Now, you know, the average age for a black man is 69, which gives proof to the fact I am not an average black man. Well, as if that was ever in doubt. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm 70, and I go where I want to go. I, I travel. Uh, you know, on the airplane, you had a, a brand instructor get put off a plane, and another guy that they get put off a plane for not wearing a mask. Here's how you do that, folks. You have to wear the mask as you board the plane. Put the mask on and board the plane. And then you take the mask off, and everyone asks you to put the mask back on again, and you ask the question, well, what about when I'm eating? And they're going to say, well, you can have the mask off when you're eating. So you pull out a bag of peanuts, and you eat them the whole flight. Okay. One peanut every five minutes, and you, you got your mask off. You just say, I'm eating. I'm eating. I'm drinking. I'm eating. Right. And you wait till, the, wait, till the plane, wait till the plane takes off. Yeah, I, or even because you, know, you can't, you know, I, I bring my food out when I, when I have to bring my laptop, I put my headphones on my head and I start popping penis in my mouth and I ignore the nonsense. I, I'm just as sick. I'm sick. I would be just as sick as I was while I could put the mask on. They have us complying, complying, complying. We've been doing it for a long time now in this country. We allow rule makers to, to govern us instead of lawmakers. These are rule makers, folks. These are not elected officials governing you. And rule makers are not covered. They're not assigned any duties in the Constitution, so they act like they're the total dictators. Right. Some local unnamed, unmasked medical professional tells you you have to now wear a mask every time you leave the house. In California, every time you leave the home, you got to put a mask on your face. It's crazy. They just did that in California. Yep, that's what I said, California. That's why the suicide rate is spiking in California. People I tell you, crazy. I will say this. Um, masks give me uh, anxiety, and I and and actually I don't want to say that out loud because then now they're going to say, oh, you know, I'm I've I've been marked now because anxiety is a some kind of a marker. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> so well, I, I I think that we need to stop fight back. Just fight back. Just fight back. I don't want to wear a mask. I'm not going to wear a mask. I went to the VA hospital, and they required me to wear a mask to drive through. I've been there four times through this pandemic. I never had the mask requirement. So I told them, oh, I'm not wearing a mask. I turn around. And the, the security officer got angry. You're not supposed to be in front of a proper mask. I said, dude, I'm leaving. I'm not going to wear a mask. I'm not going to wear a mask. As a matter of fact, he didn't have a mask on. It's, it's, he didn't have a mask on. It's crazy. The people who... Well, and that's the thing is the the guy who the guy who is like single handedly responsible for advocating for the shutdown, which was never tested as as an actual remedy. It was just an idea by a some high school kid probably. Um, <laughs> and the guy who advocated for it over in London, he disobeyed the shutdown to go meet his married mistress. Exactly. They don't believe the stuff that they're telling you. So the people who say you have to wear a mask, if they're not wearing a mask. And if they are wearing a mask, I just say, what? I can't, I can't understand you. <laughs> it's, it's, this is our turning point. I think this is the dividing line right now. The mask has got Americans to think and wake up and contemplate. Now, I'm debating with a doctor. You know, she's telling me why I have to wear, I got to wear a mask. She's telling me all the reasons why. I said, you don't know the reasons why. You don't do the research. You never read the papers. You believe what these clowns say because they're in the they're in the research right. side. You believe what they say, but right. every doggone model, every single model has been wrong. Right. Everything they've said 
has been wrong, and you still got your mask on your face, and you know, as a doctor, you know that hurts your ventilation, it reduces oxygen to your brain, yep. and you rebuild. You know the dangers of doing this all day long, but you won't speak up like the Pharisees with Jesus because they were afraid of losing, of being put out of the temple. That's right. You're afraid right. of losing your doggone license. Mason Weaver. You can go to masonweaver.com, and, uh, do you, and I encourage you to do that because his website is absolutely gorgeous. Congratulations on the new, the new digs. They're beautiful. I love the, the main photo, you and Trump. Fantastic. Thank you. Mason Weaver's Thank the you. author of The Democrat Party Hates America. Please go to masonweaver.com, visit him, and follow, sign up for the newsletter and stuff. And thank you so much for coming on the program. Stay right or be left. We're going to go to freedom, folks. God bless you. God bless you. Bye. He's fantastic. All right, so let's see. I've I have too much stuff to get through and not enough time, but let's see how let's see how much we can get through before my next guest. Uh, let's see. Tucker Carlson. Was that what I was going to talk about? No, you know what? Yeah, Tucker Carlson uh, did a ba- a major rant. It's got over a million, probably closing in on two million views pretty soon. Um, and he did he did a a major thing talking about why our leaders aren't standing up for us. Why aren't they? And he really takes the Republican party to task. He talks about major American cities being looted and burned right there on TV. And the Republicans, not a peep, or if they said anything, they certainly didn't do anything. The Democrats are out there basically encouraging it. The Chaz, the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone, the mayor came out and said it's like a street party and there's nothing wrong with it. Kick the police out. We don't have a problem with that. That's a betrayal of their oaths. But his problem is the Republicans. And I think rightly so. He talks about how freedom of speech is basically no longer a thing. People are forced to denounce their own families to try to save themselves, and yet even that proves futile, and I've talked about that here. The Communist Party doesn't know the word forgiveness, much less practice it. K. Cole James is the president of the Heritage Foundation. She called America systemically racist. You've probably donated to them. They blame the cops, but not the rioters. The Republicans are even bragging about springing felons from jail and then giving them the vote. They're felons. And so we vote, we vote for Republicans, but it doesn't work. What does work? I'll tell you what works. Rioting. They're giving in to the rioters' demands. We're giving in to the the looting and the rioting and the protesters' demands, mainly because the protesters were protesting something that we all actually agreed. Like, there wasn't even the need to protest. And yet now, because of the rioting and the looting, we're acceding to further demands, which will guarantee more violence. That's the problem. And I mentioned this, he talked about if it, if it had happened under Barack Obama, that Barack Obama was unafraid to exercise, uh, and it, he said, the, the, the power that was constitutionally granted to him, I would say he exercised more power than the Constitution granted. 
But this is how Tucker sums it up. Listen to this. Our Republican leaders don't believe they have the authority. They don't believe they're legitimate. They don't see the threat. They don't want to see the threat because they know they can't face the mob. They know they're too weak. And so they offer trinkets and hope the mob will go away, but it won't. Mobs can't be sated. We thought Republicans understood that. That's why we supported them. But crisis has revealed the truth. Now we know who they are. It could not be clearer. And now it's time to find new leaders. And so with that, that is uh, obviously the same kind of song that Mason Weaver was singing when he came on. Uh, Let's go to my next guest. He's uh, a doctor. He's also the founder of Atlas MD, which is a direct primary care medical practice. Welcome to the program, Dr. Josh Umber. Yeah, thanks for having me. Sorry, I I figured out I I needed to get your name in there. (laughs) No worries. Uh, so, so you're talking about medical de- deregulation in the age of COVID, which is kind of fascinating because you think that there's a silver lining here and we all need to see silver linings these days. So talk to me about that. Yeah, it's probably one of those, uh, it's darkest before the dawn type things here where, um, healthcare is so regulated and bureaucratic, so much paperwork and red tape, uh, that adds little to no value. And now people are starting to realize what is essential. Like any good wartime effort, you start to you carve away anything that doesn't help you accomplish the mission. And and for healthcare, that's the you know uh, telemedicine is a great example where for the last 20 years the government has said either we won't pay for this or it's not secure or people don't want it, all these kind of things. But the moment you really need care over regulation. In the stroke of a pen, they waive 20 years of, of regulation and say, now anything's secure. FaceTime, uh, Zoom, Google, Facebook, anything. Really, they uh, were hiding just, behind this idea that, oh, it's not secure doctor-patient privilege or something? Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, and, and HIPAA This while they're case. data mining everything. Oh, exactly. The, because HIPAA is actually not, hey, your privacy is protected. HIPAA is, hey, government wants in. <laughs> Do you consent? It, it, <laughs> Anybody with you know uh, qualifications could access that. So now even more people saw your records, the insurance, the billing, the government, um, you know all kinds of people. When in reality, again, that that wasn't adding value. So uh, HIPAA is a 1996 law that was passed when Windows Explorer 3 was released. I was 15. The Spice Girls were topping the chart, and the Dow was at 6,000. So it's it's an antiquated law. Um, and, and now they Wait, what are you see, saying about the Spice Girls? <laughs> well, at, at that age, there was, there was a great experience. So, um, but you know, time moved on and, and patients realized that technology that helped them do every other job, re- remote learning, remote working was just as useful for healthcare. And the government caved in days to that. Uh, they realized that regulation that kept companies from manufacturing, uh, protective personal equipment um, slowed this response, and we need to have uh, a DARPA-esque response there, where we can turn around machines and factories on a dime to make things that we need for emergency things. So basically, the country had a stress test, and we failed it. And, and now, where the government got out of the way in some spots, they got in the way in others. But um, also, oh, what it, it specifically what? Well. Um, We'll say you can now do video chat however you want, but uh, hand sanitizers made by um, uh, former breweries that closed down isn't good enough to meet our standards, so you can't do that. 
um, and that created lots of problems and, and delays in getting personal protection uh, out, uh, all kinds of things like that, where we'll say this business uh, is forced to close, where this business can stay open. Um, these are essential workers, these aren't, and, and just disrupting entire economies based on nothing evidence-based necessarily. Uh, so I, th- I think it did a lot of harm as well but so they haven't really learned anything it's just that it's just that because they because their hand was forced there's a little bit of a win for the consumer we used a hammer uh where we needed a scalpel but uh but we're breaking (laughs) through and finding diamonds uh so yeah but we'll come out of this uh, so okay so so yesterday i had my first telemedicine experience and it was uh, it was weird because, okay, my appointment was for 8.15 and they didn't send me the pay. They called me at 8. They said, we have paperwork to send you. We need, we need uh, your driver's license. We need your ID, uh, your, your insurance card. Like they started the process way late. Then they sent me the paperwork at 8.15, which is kind of like, you know, you're supposed to get to the doctor's office early to do the paperwork so that mm-hmm. you stay on time. So my appointment was until 9.15, which I don't know, call me naive, but I kind of figured that if it's all telemedicine, that they, that the appointment, and, and, and I had one of the first appointments in the morning, that everything would be like clockwork running on time. So Just because the government said it was legal, didn't say docs were good at it. No, yet. right? <laughs> um, so that was, right. A, that was a bit of a shock. And then basically the upshot is, well, I need to see you. <laughs> I'm like, okay, thanks. Well, this has I, been fun. <laughs> I think what's really interesting is um, docs are, are, most doctors are in a pinch here where a telemedicine visit normally will pay a third of uh, what an in-office visit will, will charge. And with most family practicing anywhere from a 40 to 80% decrease in office visits, they're financially struggling. There were family practice uh, clinics doing GoFundMe accounts to try to keep their doors open. Um, so now do we see you on uh, a video chat? Do we try to get you in? Um, are we doing what's best for the clinic financially or the patient uh, medically? Well, there's uh, right. There's there always that. Line? There's always that. Um, what's the word? Uh, uh, conflict. Conflict of interest. Right. Yeah. Always. I mean, and, there, and, 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 and well we've moved. seen that. Con- can you can you speak about the conflict of interest in the hospitals under covid? Well, uh, you know, the the hard part there is why we talk about a pandemic, uh, a medical pandemic that you would assume is is stressing the hospitals and filling them up. Uh, no, because everything else elective has been shut down, uh, surgeries. Well, the, the, but the, the but ER. the pandemic never really materialized. Right. Yes. If flat can we the say that? Well, how do we how do we how do we quantify a pandemic? Because initially we were told two million deaths. So how do we quantify a pandemic? Well, I loved one data guy um, early on in this, and he said uh, all uh, models are wrong. Some are useful. And he uh, compared it to the hurricane forecasting. We can all sort of picture that where there's dozens of lines where this hurricane could go. Um, but we never report the worst one. We report we, – we display all of those. And, and here we came and we presented the absolute worst-case scenario um, for the shock value of it, and it – it was never close to that. Um, it was, and Dr. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Scott Atlas from Stafford, uh, Stanford has wonderful articles about you know how that math was wrong and 
and uh, continues to be so in the sense that this is a you know probably a million different moving parts it's it's hard to forecast something like this with great accuracy but where does that leave us define well, yeah. pandemic um I, th I think pandemic is anything um, relative to the disease. So a pandemic of uh, measles can take just a few dozen because it is so contagious. On average, you'll infect 13 to 18 people, whereas this is coming out to be one to two, two to three. Um, so what does that mean? Larger... One to two, two to three. What does that mean? Uh, the R naught value is the way we would measure how contagious an illness is. So, on average, the common cold would have a value of six, which means that you'll spread that to six people while you're contagious. Uh, okay. And, the definition of pandemic mm -hmm. is a, is occurring over a wide geographic area and affecting an exceptionally high proportion of the population. So, actually, sixteen malaria. Uh, what what did you say? Measles. Sixteen measles. wouldn't qualify as a pandemic. Um, it, it, epidemic, uh, because it'd be regional and we try to, because we're so well vaccinated for that. Um, but every flu season would technically count as a pandemic because it's going to cross the whole country, um, like it normally does. So, so every I, flu is a pandemic then every flu would meet criteria for, a then pandemic. why are we responding to this pandemic differently than flu? Um, I, I think there's some legitimate reasons and some less legitimate reasons, uh, being, we didn't know what this virus would do. This is the first time we've seen this one, even though we have seen viruses in this family. So we had a reasonable expectation, but I think we maybe jumped the gun um, to say. We've seen how many viruses seen. in this family? In the SARS uh, corona family, mm -hmm. um, well, the SARS 1, and this is technically SARS 2, they named it SARS 19 because you know, it was found in November. Um, so now there's other much less virulent versions that uh, would be subcategories. Hold on. That, can, you, can you explain why November precipitated a SARS-19? Uh, 2019. It's ah, just when they, first, when they first discovered it um, as a you know, definable uh, new virus. So, that's what, so, so you're saying that's why it's called COVID-19? Right. Uh -huh, and just, yet uh, the coronaviruses have been around. There's, there are plenty of them. Correct. The first SARS uh, was was technically been a SARS COVID uh, type um, family of right. viruses, but there have yeah. been other ones. There have, mm -hmm. um, right. you know, some there's over two hundred different viruses that cause the common cold, so you would see variations in there as well. Right. So we we know about the respiratory virus, um, but this you know, it came from China. Is it was it made in a lab? All, all these concerns. Um, we didn't know if it'd be like the flu or something else, and and so. Uh, and it is, it's different enough. Um, we don't have medicines to treat it like we can treat the flu. So uh, it, some of that was warranted. But then I think once it became political, you look at times where the flu's killed 60,000 people um, in, in the normal five-month period. And, and this is you know, going to be double that. But we, we have never asked a, a sitting president to take over management of, of the flu. Um, because I think we understand we can't. Right. We do the best we can, um, and and we try to treat it, and, and we prepare hospitals and things. But so much of that is outside of the normal function of of a president. Um, so uh, why we made this one different, I think, is because it was different. This is new, and and will it be worse? So we. It's were... different. How though? 
it's different in the sense that we don't have immunity to it. That's um, no, that's not different. Flu. That's the same. Well, you know, you take the swine flu in the 70s, and uh, it was bad. Um, you know, vaccine technology wasn't as good as it is. So it hits again in 2010, and all the people over 35, 40 uh, were really kind of immune to it because they had it back in the 70s. Mm-hmm. And so it hit younger people harder, but they're healthier, so fewer people die from it necessarily, but a lot more hospitalizations. Um, and, and so there's, even though usually the flu is different every year, we get some overlap. So we have some protection from previous years, uh, where we've seen this and built up antibodies. Um, this one, we can arguably say no one had antibodies to, cause we'd never seen it before. And, um, and that gave us, I think that maybe Hollywood end of days, team apocalypse, uh, concern that this could be you know, something uh, unprecedented on on a scale much larger, the 2.2 million dead in the streets, no hospital beds, running out of ventilators, no medicines, no supplies. So that, Uh, that was actually initially the prediction and that precipitated the shutdown because we were going to overrun our healthcare system. The peak, the curve was going to be too steep for us to manage. But once we discovered that actually we mitigated the curve, right? Mm-hmm. Then it became about saving lives. Initially, it was saving lives because of the curve. Then it just morphed into, don't worry about the curve. We just want to save lives. Yeah, I, I think uh, I, I think in general, we've done a poor job of, of uh, identifying the goals um, collectively because each side of the spectrum um, wants to have different goals at different times. And and the goal of each the, side the, of what spectrum? Sorry, I think the political spectrum, um, and and maybe to some degree the medical. There are sides that say this is much more contagious or less contagious. Um, you know, you look at uh, social distancing, which makes sense, and we would tell people every flu season stay away from sick people. Um, so that's just as true now. But then you have cities like New York with a population density of twenty three thousand twenty seven thousand people per square mile or Kansas City that has 230 people per square mile. Right. So so social distancing is and was as important as as projected then we could have looked at each city individually and said um you know what's this hurricane equivalent uh projection because it's going to be different for every city. Um right. you know Montana had a 5% increase yesterday in their covid deaths. Uh, that means one, they had one death. Um, so up to 21 total, mm-hmm. just the population density of Mon- Montana is very different. And so we, we wanted to flatten the curve to prevent hospitals from being so overwhelmed that people that could be saved, um, uh, would be, and, and we want to be having extra deaths because of lack of ventilators or supplies or beds, et cetera. Right. But, but that's since we, we don't have a specific treatment for it yet. Um, then it's really, we, we wanted to prevent the system from being overtaxed, but we can't truly prevent extra deaths. If you get it, you're going to either be sick or, you know, or not now statistically a 99 plus percent chance of recovery. Um, so like any flu season, eventually people have to go out and about and, and live their lives. Um, people at higher risk will take more precautions, people at lower risk, Less precautions. Isn't everybody somewhat at a higher risk now because we've been in the shutdown for so long? 
there's arguments about if um, obesity and hypertension uh, are two of the biggest factors outside of age. Um, if we're not exercising and um, you or know, not just just not exposing ourselves to to, to we, pathogens in general, we want to be exposed to stuff. Uh, you know, we talk about this with babies and um, allergies. Are we too clean? Uh, your immune system does need things to practice on. So we do want to be exposed to viruses that we can learn to fight. And, and it's normal and healthy to get the common cold, et cetera. Um, so those things won't transfer over into COVID protection. Uh, but at the same time, we have to look at the whole picture. We can um, treat the patient and, and, and cure the disease, but lose the patient. So we have to do this together, whereas some doctors focus just on COVID. I think other doctors look at this in the context of the health of the system. And we know that there's a, a direct relationship between unemployment and suicide um, and, and what we call deaths of despair, where right. you have more alcohol abuse, drug abuse, domestic abuse, child abuse, um, when people are stressed and lacking any and staying inside. So it's not just decrease these numbers. Since we can't stop the spread of the common cold or the flu or COVID, we just try to minimize the risk um, and not overburden the health system. So now the hospitals have too many beds open and they're suffering financially. Um, but we, we have enough. If there is a spike, yes, as people get out and about, they will be exposed to it. We can't stop that. There's no protection yet. Um, but there shouldn't be enough of a spike to burden the system. You know, everyone said we're two weeks behind Italy, and, and that may or may not be accurate. Um, but for looking at other countries that were ahead of us, Italy had only 22 deaths yesterday. Um, so whether we're two weeks or three weeks or four weeks behind them, what we've seen is our trend go from about 2,100 a week uh, or day to uh, under 600 a day trending now. Right. So, so we're on top of it now. How do we open up and let people get back to what they have to do? They have to work. They have to, um, you know, earn money and go to school and, and do all these things that keep them functional. Um, so we don't want to hold everyone back so long because we know we can't prevent death. We, we do our best to manage and decrease risk there. And at some point staying in indefinitely, the risk of that is, uh, is greater than the harm of, of getting out and about. Right. All right. Well, we've learned a lot today, I would say. Um, uh, so you're the founder of Atlas MD. Is there, do you have a website where people can find out more information or anything like that? Yeah. Uh, we're a direct care clinic. Uh, that's part of the silver lining we think will help. Instead of taking insurance, we charge $10 a month for kids, $50 a month for adults for unlimited visits. Um, no co-pays, free procedures, uh, wholesale meds and labs for a penny a pill. Hmm. Uh, so there's a lot of doctors like us. And we have two websites for two maps that doc people can go and look for doctors like us in their area. It's atlas.md slash map, M-A-P, and maps, M-A-P-S. Okay. Thank you so much for coming on, Dr. Umber. Really uh, great to speak with you. appreciate it. Thanks for the opportunity. No problem. All righty. Wow. So the death toll in the world from COVID is running. I'm on world of meters. 
uh, by the way, running at about 0.5%. USA is also about 0.5%. Um, that's, that's according to their tests thus far. It is also according to the deaths reported thus far. So world deaths is, we can't really trust because China, right? I mean, we can't trust China. And then USA, um, who is, of course, a, a leader because of our population, uh, tough because um, I know that there are a lot of, of reported deaths that are attributed to COVID that have nothing or very little to do with COVID. Uh, and so it's somewhat less than 0.5% as far as we can tell. We are testing at a pretty strong rate. We're testing at 87,000 per million in population. So that's pretty good. We've already tested close to 30 million people as of two days ago. So that's pretty good, right? Assuming. And so if you just take the death toll and divide it by the number of cases, it comes out to 0.5%. In Sweden, it comes out to 0.8%. They're running roughly uh, half the test rate that we are running. That means that people who have COVID, who don't know they have COVID, uh, probably aren't getting tested. And so we don't really know how many people have the disease. Because so many people can fight it off so easily. Like, like water. Like nothing. Finland is running more tests than Sweden, and their death toll is 0.05%. I'm sorry, it's five, yeah, 0.5%, yeah. Um, so, I don't know what to make of all this, but it's, um, I'm skeptical, I guess, is the best way to put it. All right, let's have some fun. Uh, do college kids know the difference between men and women? Apparently not. <laughs> so I'm just going to play you some of this. The guy goes out and he's, he, he's just, you know, genuinely curious. He put together this video. It's got over a million views. Um, it's actually from a few years back. It's from the Family Policy Institute of Washington. It's really, now they're on Seattle University campus to find out. Do college kids know the difference between men and women? Listen to some of these answers. All the dorms and stuff like that. I think that gender is fluid. So if you want to use a bathroom because that's a place and that's a space where you feel comfortable and safe in doing so, then I think that that's completely fine. Did you hear what she said, where you feel comfortable and safe in doing so? She's literally parroting somebody. Nobody talks that way. She's just parroting the, the pablum that she has been fed, right? I think that if whoever you think you are, if you're male or female, then that's the bathroom you should go into. I think if it doesn't really negatively affect anybody, then I think anyone should be able to choose what gender they uh, choose to identify as. People, no matter what their gender identification is, they should be allowed to use whatever restrooms they should. Sure, but how do you know if it's having a negative effect? I may talk about this tomorrow. There's an uptick in pedophilia. So is allowing people to choose their gender going to have an effect? And 
I don't know how you could argue that. No, it won't have any effect on anybody. Uh, so, so, so the argument has to be, it will have an effect. And then, and then we have to decide, is it a good effect or maybe not such a good effect, right? Or am I crazy? If they feel like they identify with. Is there a difference in your mind between men and women? Um, she looks very confused. Oh, yes. I mean, um, <laughs> possibly. Uh, I don't know. In general, yes. Between men and women? No. But There's I don't no know difference. why I think that. Socially, I don't know why currently, I think yes, there that. is. There is no need for that difference to exist uh, scientifically and logically. If you think that you're. That, by the way, that guy was very tall and sort of biggish. And so for him to say there's no difference between him and women who are typically much more petite is, I mean, this is cray cray. You're a male. If you think that you're a female, that matters more than the biological difference. Whatever you there's think. not much oh, difference besides what society forces on to people. Yeah, we force How do you it. know the difference? Okay, so then it's just, then he says, how do you know if there's a difference? people think they are so you can't like judge someone just on like their looks i don't think there's any one way to really distinguish between a man or a woman and i don't think it's necessary uh it's not always consistent it has a high probability like 98 percent of the time i can get it right there is some ambiguity i think yeah there are ways to tell but then again you can always be wrong listen them actively denying their ability to distinguish Okay, this is one of the very first and primary things we learn, how to distinguish. Point at the truck. That one, no, that's a car. Point at the truck. That one, very good. You figured out which one the truck was. It's one of the very first sort of, sort of mind capabilities that we adopt. And yet here are college students who are actively engaged in shutting that down because they don't want to be seen as discriminatory. And yet they are discriminatory. All right. And so the final question, is there a reason to have male and female labels? I don't think so. I think that it's, again, a social construct of this binary that we're given at birth. There is kind of a difference, but at the same time, if someone wants to identify as one or both or as nothing, I also find that completely okay. And Yeah, we'll just nod at that. There may be... Okay. Uh, crazy. I don't know what they're teaching children anymore. That was from 2016. It's now four years later. And it has not gotten better, folks. It's gotten worse. It's worse. And so if they're actively engaged in shutting down their ability to discriminate, to determine difference, how will they ever be able to figure out the difference between right and wrong? That's the question of the day today. You think about that. Tweet me at the Sam Sorbo. And... uh Yeah, go and enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks so much for listening.